Welcome to Lead On, a program where we talk about practical issues related to ministry leadership. I'm Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, and it's my privilege every week to talk with you on this program about the practical side of ministry leadership. Now, if you're with me every week, you know this is really not a preaching show or even a Bible teaching show. We definitely reference the Bible, as we'll do today. But it's more of an application program where we focus on real issues that are challenging us as church leaders, ministry leaders, organizational leaders, and how we resolve them from a Christian worldview and a biblical perspective. Today, I want to talk about how do you lead when you're caught in the middle? What I mean is, what do you do when people around you are in conflict with each other and somehow that conflict triangulates on you and you find yourself between two deacons who are arguing, between two elders who are squabbling, between two employees in different departments in your organization that are at odds with one another? What do you do when you're caught in the middle? What do you do when people around you are having difficulty and somehow you get caught in the crossfire? I remember a few years ago, a pastor called me on the day after Sunday and he was discouraged. He said, well, we had a really challenging thing happen in our church yesterday. Our choir had put together a a major musical program for Easter Sunday morning, and our Sunday school had put together a major emphasis on inviting guests built around a Bible teaching time that was focused on the gospel and on the need for salvation and actually ended in every class with people being asked to commit themselves to Jesus Christ. Well, Unbeknownst to the Sunday school leaders, the choir director told everyone in the choir, you need to leave Sunday school 15 minutes early so that you can assemble to get prepared to put on the choir production in the worship service. So that's what happened. Just as Sunday school teachers across the church and all the classes were building up to the climactic crescendo ending of their lesson on salvation and conversion and preparing to ask people in their classes to commit themselves to Jesus Christ and receive him as Lord and Savior. Just in that moment, dozens and dozens of people got up and started walking out of Sunday school classes. The disruption was significant. Well, a few minutes later, the choir was assembled in the choir loft The audience, the congregation was filling up the building. It was packed. It was Easter Sunday morning when the Sunday school director walked down the center aisle, stomped up on the platform and screamed at the choir director. I can't believe you disrupted everything we had prayed for and planned. I can't believe you didn't want people to stay and finish the lesson about the gospel. I can't believe that you thought that your choir performance was more important than our Bible teaching ministry. And this kind of screaming tirade took place in front of hundreds of people on that Easter Sunday morning. In fact, the pastor said, Hundreds of people just sat down quietly and watched the show. It was a debacle. Now, the pastor in this particular case 
wasn't in the middle, literally, between these two people while they were screaming at each other on the platform. But he was in the middle the rest of that day as people started calling him and demanding that he do something about what had happened and what needed to take place. And he was asking me for some guidance on what to do. So what do you do when you're caught in the middle? What do you do when people around you are in conflict? Two deacons, two elders, two staff people, two church members. What do you do when you find yourself the one who has to step in and do something about a situation? Well, first of all, it's important to define your role. Do you see yourself as a peacemaker or a peacekeeper? Now, let me bring a distinction between those words. A peacemaker is someone who proactively takes steps to bring about a healthy resolution of a conflict. A peacekeeper is someone who just wants to gloss over what happened, move on from it as quickly as possible, and avoid dealing with the substantive issues that may have been at the root of the conflict. A peacemaker takes proactive, positive steps to bring resolution. A peacekeeper just wants to mask over and move on. It's easy to fall into the trap of being a peacekeeper. I know I like being a peacekeeper. I don't like conflict. I don't like dealing with conflict. I don't like dealing with people in conflict. And I don't having, like taking responsibility for resolving that conflict when it's having a doing damage in my organization. I'd rather be a peacekeeper. But what I've learned over the years is that peacekeeping isn't really a solution. All it does is push the problems farther down the road. All it does is masks deeper issues that really need to be dealt with. All being a peacekeeper accomplishes is an alleviation of the emotional pressure or stress of the moment. It doesn't really solve the problem. Being a peacemaker is fraught with much greater risk. You have to be proactive, take real steps of action, bring conflict sometimes to a head, meaning that it even gets worse in the short term, and take the spiritual responsibility of doing what's necessary in the moment to help people resolve their issues. You only have to do this, though, because you really care more about the mission of your organization than you do about the moment of the conflict. We'll talk about more that more in just a moment. Another way to think about defining your role is as a leader, do you primarily see yourself as a caregiver or a solution seeker? Now, all leaders should be caregivers. We, we care about people. We're compassionate. We're uh, moved by their difficulty. We, we want them to know that we connect with them relationally and emotionally. And even the most hard-driven, most uh, task-oriented leader knows that they have to have some aspect of care for the people they're working with and demonstrate that care in concrete ways. But people who are caught in the middle of conflict that's damaging their organization and they know they have to do something about it have to be more than caregivers. They have to be solution seekers. They have to be willing to take proactive steps to do what's necessary to find solutions to the conflict. 
So let me challenge you today. If you find yourself caught in the middle, you find yourself uh, involved in a conflict that's going on in your organization between people or between groups that's really damaging your effectiveness and really limiting the accomplishment of your mission, if that's you, let me advise you to be a solution seeker and a peacemaker, not a caregiver and a peacekeeper. Now, the Bible actually speaks to this. In Colossians chapter 3, there's an extended passage about Christian fellowship, about solving Christian conflict, and about living together in unity. And in that section, there's this wonderful verse, Colossians 3.15, which says, And let the peace of Christ, to which you were called in one body, rule your hearts. Peace, the peace of Christ, expressing itself where? As we were called to live in one body. Meaning that this peace being described, this peace of Christ, is a collective experience. Now, many years ago, there was a very popular little pamphlet written called Steps to Peace with God, and it focused on our need to have peace in our relationship with God, and that's certainly valid. But this passage is speaking about something different. This passage is speaking about a collective experience. It's peace of Christ expressed where? It says, in the body, or in one body. And so while it's important to have peace with God individually— This call in this passage is to experience peace collectively as we work in the body of Christ and as we work with other believers to facilitate our mission and the accomplishment of the tasks we've been given. Peace. But there's another part of this verse that I really like. It's the last part. It says, let peace rule your hearts. Now that word rule is an interesting word. It really has a meaning that relates to the concept of officiating or refereeing or, in my case, umpiring. You know, for 25 years, I umpired youth baseball up and down the West Coast. I've umpired major tournaments in California, Oregon, Washington. I've worked at all levels of youth baseball from Little League through high school, and I've umpired at really some of the highest levels, having the privilege of umpiring uh, state championship games and even some regional finals that send people on to even national tournaments. That was a really enjoyable hobby for a long time in my life. The word rule in this text, Colossians 3.15, rule your hearts, could possibly also be translated umpire. So the verse would then say, let the peace of Christ umpire your heart meaning let the peace of Christ make the call in your heart. When you're an umpire, you make calls. You say things are either fair or foul. You say a pitch is either a ball or a strike. When a play is made on a runner, you say that runner is either safe or out. These are decisions the umpire makes, and those decisions move the game along. Think about that illustration in the context of this verse. It says, let the peace of Christ make the call. Let the peace of Christ umpire your heart so that life, if you will, can be moved along. That means that when you come up to a decision in a relationship, you want to make the decision that facilitates or promotes peace. Now, you might already be thinking, yes, but doesn't the Bible also say that there are some times to break the peace? Yes, the Bible does say that. 
There are multiple uh, instructions and warnings and directives in the New Testament which tell us that when someone is teaching something that is contrary to the gospel or contrary to the revelation of Scripture, that person must be confronted and, if necessary, excluded from the church or from the body of Christ or from the organization, if that's where you're working. I get that. I certainly understand that there are some circumstances, narrowly defined, very focused, but also very real, when a person has to be asked to step aside, move out of the uh, position that they're occupying, or even, in some cases, perhaps even leave a church or an organization. But let's be real. Those instances are pretty rare. Most Christians are not having difficulty with their uh, church, fellow church members or fellow employees over hardcore doctrinal differences. Most are having difficulty over relational issues, matters of preference, matters of taste, matters of schedule, matters of culture, or even in our world today, political issues. These are the things that are dividing most of us and causing the greatest amount of conflict among Christians. It's not those hardcore, essential doctrinal debates which do sometimes need to divide us. No, it's not, that's not what's causing most of our problems. Most leaders are caught in the middle between people who are conflicted over culture or politics or preferences. They're conflicted over music styles and preaching styles and teaching styles. They're conflicted over dress codes and appearance issues. They're conflicted over scheduling conflicts and other kinds of issues that cause such division. And the Bible says we should let the peace of Christ rule our hearts in those kinds of situations. In other words, make the decision that promotes the peace. So as a leader, you're going to function with that goal or outcome in mind as a peacemaker and a solution seeker who has a intentional uh, strategy, makes intentional effort, if you will, to let peace rule in every situation. Now, here are some practical helps as you're trying to do this in concrete situations. First of all, remind everyone in the conflict that they are accountable to God for their actions. One of the most important things that ever has ever been done with me when I've been in conflict with someone was uh, a number of years ago, one example, a guy said to me, would you meet with that person with me and let's all pray together about this situation? Well, it's hard to turn that down. So I went to the person that I was in conflict with, along with this person who was trying to bring about peace. And he said, before we do anything else, I wonder if we could all three get down on our knees and just ask God to help us today. And we did that. And after we all prayed so earnestly and fervently for each other and for our situation, it changed everything about how we went forward in the conversation. He reminded us up front, you're accountable to God for how you're acting right now. And while I'm here to try to help you work this out, the most important thing is that we all get before God and see if he can help us work this out. So a first step in helping people who are in conflict to come to a resolution is to recognize that we're all accountable to God and to start with the spiritual step of praying together about it, getting on our knees if we can, and really humbling ourselves before God and asking him to help us. A second thing that helps is to clarify for people that we're all accountable to the same mission. 
You know, sometimes we get in conflict over these lesser issues, and it's important to take a step back and say, yeah, I understand this is a problem, but what about the bigger picture here? What are we really trying to accomplish? What are, what's our ultimate goal? What's the mission of our church? How can we get back together on that and cause this conflict that's come up to diminish in its importance because we focus on something that's oh so much more significant? You know, in our organization here at the seminary, we have 150 employees and a couple thousand students. And in that context, we inevitably have conflict, inevitably. And so when we do, it's always important for someone to say, hey, let's go back to the mission. What are we trying to accomplish here? Let's remember what we're all aiming for. What kind of adjustments do we need to make in our expectations in this moment in order to get us more down the road toward our mission? So first, accountable to God. Second, accountable to mission. Third, I just mentioned it in the last point, and that is it's important when you're helping people with conflict to clarify expectations, performance expectations, partnership expectations, relationship expectations, to be able to sit down together and say, why are we having this conflict and what do we expect from one another and why did that failure to have accurate expectations or realistic expectations contribute to what we're going through right now? You know, my friend that had the conflict there on the Easter Sunday morning between his choir leader and his Sunday school leader, my friend had a really a significant issue of people in conflict over expectations. Now, if you got those people together and asked them about the mission, they would all say, we're trying to accomplish the same thing. We know we're accountable to God. We're trying to accomplish the mission of reaching more people and discipling them and growing our church. But of course, the musicians had one set of expectations of how that was going to be done. And the Bible teachers had another set of expectations of how that was going to be done. And so it was important to get together and talk about, let's talk about our expectations. What did you expect would happen on Sunday morning when you established this plan? When you established this plan without talking with anybody else, including the people that were impacted by it, what was your expectation of how they would respond when they found out about it? As my friend started working on resolving this conflict, one of the things that came out fairly quickly was both the choir leader and the Sunday school leader were so caught up in their own issues and their own agendas and their own passions, and frankly, so busy as lay leaders that they had really not even thought about the impact of what they were trying to accomplish and what it was doing to everyone else around them. So it wasn't that they intentionally tried to slight each other. It was they, they very unintentionally created a major problem for each other without even knowing it. And so this was a good learning opportunity to talk about expectations and how when we make decisions, even in a ministry context, context we have to think through, what, do, do, what does my decision, how does my decision impact others? What does my decision do to other people in the organization? And what will happen here? You know, recently I was preaching in a church that had three services, which meant they also had three shifts of child care being provided and three shifts of parking that had to be managed on the lots. And when the pastor was orienting me to preaching in the services, he said, the service starts at this time and the first service needs to stop at this time. And I confirmed to him the precise time that he was saying. And he said, now understand there's a, there's a little bit of time built into this. And I said, no, pastor, just stop. I'm going to honor the time today because I have an expectation that I'm to participate in the total ministry of your church, including the child care and the parking lot. My only expectation is not that I'm just here to preach a sermon today. My expectations are that I'm here to contribute to the whole of what the church is trying to accomplish. And I expect to make a contribution to everyone's success today, not just those who are sitting in the room hearing me speak. 
That's what I'm talking about, about helping people understand that part of the reason they have conflict with each other is because they have different expectations about a situation and clarifying those expectations. And the more of them we can clarify beforehand (laughs) minimizes the conflict. But even in the afterwards, when there's been a conflict, helping people to think through Uh, those expectations and why the failure to meet expectations resulted in such conflict is very helpful. Number four, uh, be proactive, but be realistic. Be proactive, but be realistic. Recognize that while you can help people remember that they're accountable to God and you can call people to accountability and focus on the overall mission and help them subsume some of their conflicts in a bigger agenda, and while you can help people to address the issues of expectations and help them understand why their expectations and other expectations, even in a ministry context, can have conflict with each other, even though you're doing all that, and that's being proactive, you have to be realistic. Not every Conflict is going to be resolved entirely in spite of your fantastic leadership capacity. Oh, I know you're a great peacemaker. You're a solution seeker. Uh, You are going to bring people to their accountability to God and you're going to show them their accountability to the mission. You're going to help them clarify their expectations and you're going to help them work through what violating the expectations of others and of themselves really contributes to conflict. You're going to do all that. You're going to do it really well. And you think that every time you do that at the end, everyone's going to apologize. Everyone's going to shake hands. Or as one of my buddies likes to say, we're all going to hug it out. It's just going to be over with. Well, that's an unrealistic expectation. Instead, recognize that most conflict can be resolved, but some may not be. And when that happens, what do you do? Well, you accept that you've achieved the best outcome possible, and then you do one of the hardest things for a leader to do. Move on. Move on. You see, we're not peacekeepers, and we're not ultimately only caregivers. When we've done our best peacemaking and our best solution seeking, we've walked people through a process that leads them up to the best opportunity that we can create to resolve their conflict. If it's not fully resolved, we have to accept the limitation of what we've done, accept the brokenness of relationships that may continue, trust God and the people involved to ultimately get to a final solution and then move on. One of the worst mistakes I made in my early years of pastoral leadership particularly was continuing to stir the pot, continuing to return to conflict and continuing to agitate it, bring it up, stir it up, thinking that somehow in doing that, I was contributing to it being ultimately resolved. I learned the hard way that wasn't a good ending. And I learned instead that when I've done these steps I've described, that we just simply then have to make the decision to move on and trust God and others, and frankly, a little bit of time going by to perhaps bring about the full resolution that's needed. And then finally, and the hardest thing, as a part of moving on, we have to sometimes accept the reality that sometimes people will literally move on. As a pastor, I never wanted anyone to leave my church. As an organization, I'm always sad when anyone resigns or leaves. But I've learned over the years that sometimes the best ending is for someone to find a new beginning somewhere else and start serving in a fresh and new way in a new context. Move on sometimes really means move on. 
Well, you're caught in the middle. Two deacons in conflict, two elders in conflict, two employees in conflict, two friends in conflict. You're the leader. In this particular situation, you feel some responsibility to do something to bring about some resolution. I've described for you today how to do that in a healthy and effective way. Put it into practice as you lead on.